Cause it's been a while since I've been on a normal episode and You ready? Yeah. Yes, I was singing. My apologies. <laughs> it's been a while. Oh gosh. <laughs> Maybe since I was not hosting a briefing program. Maybe this is how it starts, you know. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, I've delivered you yet another gift. Perfect. Yeah, just what I needed is a is a interruption to my introduction. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Common Geeking Program. We are a book club style podcast where each episode we discuss a different topic from our own geeky and nerdy perspectives. Uh, uh, as always, I am your host Jeff, and uh, this week we're going to be taking a look at the uh, the Netflix cartoon series that came out about a month ago called Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. Uh, we talked about it on our last um, Common Briefing Program and and named it our our pick of the month of our most exciting things for January 2020. So figured uh, we could just reconvene and talk about it a little bit more since it's such a fun time. Yeah. Our first and finest example of podcast synergy. We follow up on something <laughs> we did in a previous episode to it's a crazy. meaningful extent. Crazy. Uh, so, Which is very rare for us. We're usually late <laughs> to the party. Almost always. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad here. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this time around, I'm joined by two of my fellow nerds, and they can introduce them, them damn selves. So go for it. Hello, hello. My name is Colin. I haven't been on a regular uh, Common Geeking Program book club episode in quite a while, so I'm excited to club some books. Is Colin. Hello. Like, beat them. Like, beat up the books. Like, get a big club and just, like, really... I always assumed that's what a book club was and was wondering why you guys didn't match my violent tone for the podcast. I always See, assumed but- a book club was, like... A club comprised solely of books. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, right. Like, oh, a way to distribute literacy to the weak. No, like, like you've got a, a stick, and you've got a book mm-hmm. duct taped to the end of it, and it's a book club, you know? Like, the the book yeah. is the heavy object I that guess, you use to smack people with. I, I guess I'm thinking of it metaphorically, like how zealous churchgoers say, I'm going to beat the gospel into you and, like, swing Bibles at you. That's, oh. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. I mean, the church is an unproblematic institution. I mean, I'm thinking multiple books attached to that uh, stick, like you know, a copy of Ulysses, a copy of uh, the Silmarillion, copy sure, of the Last Harry really, Potter. Some real, oh, you heavy want some really boys. dense books. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> throw a little Crime and Punishment in there. Moby you know. Dick. You know. Yeah, you. So, uh, Collins introduced himself. Hi, I'm Timo <laughs> or Chowder. Whichever you prefer. Uh, and did you know that Moby Dick is, like, only half, like, a story? The other half is just uh, fun facts about whaling that Herman Melville just write down, wrote down in that book. Really? That, yes. That so how many pages is the actual novel? Uh, shit. Like, we're talking, like, a doorstopper kind of thing. Like, Silmarillion mm-hmm. size. Uh, how... How many pages? Silmarillion is not the longest of the Tolkien books. Having read that start to finish, Unfinished Tales is much more of a brick. But let's not get into that now. This is about Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beasts. Yeah, okay, here we go. Like, 1,946 pages, or 135 chapters. That's including all the fun facts of whaling. Including that whales are fish. I'm not not. even joking here. (laughs) 
Uh, is that true? It's not true. If you right? have 135 chapters in a book, regardless of how many pages in, are in it, I'm I'm wondering. I think you just have organizational problems, but that's <laughs> that's just my thought. I mean, I I think the reality is that like he was getting paid per per page, so like mm. he was getting paid per whale. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Moby Dick is old fucking news. We're in here for the new stuff. <laughs> The new fresh stuff. The Moby Dick of 2020, obviously. We're going to be talking about Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. All right. So. Do we do we want to jump right into this bad boy? Yeah, let's just go. Let's just, you know, get, get real down and dirty with it. Hi. A quick message and you'll be back to your regularly scheduled podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not comment, share, and follow us on social media? We at CGP work hard to make this podcast, and any response means the world to us. But if you don't even feel inclined to, we totally understand. We're just happy you took the time to listen. Without further ado, back to Common Geeking Program. Uh, so, yeah, um, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, uh, as I said, was released in January 2020. Uh, on Netflix, it is. Uh, it was produced by DreamWorks and ani- animated by uh, what is it? Mirror Studio Mirror, Mirror which uh, Mirror, yep. did some other fun animations. Like we talked about this before, it did uh, a lot of the animation for Legend of Korra and also uh, Voltron: Legendary Defender, which is another great Netflix uh, Netflix series, and uh, a couple other things. So it did the Boondocks, the or the fourth season of the Boondocks. I was about to say, because yeah. Wolf, every time I saw Wolf, I'm like, this is a Boondocks fanfic right here, so that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, Wolf does look <laughs> a little bit Boondocks-y. Um, it's got, like, a lot of those kind of sharp, sharp sort of angular lines, which is really fun. It's Avatar. Yeah. It's Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, Same, although Avatar thing, yeah. The Last Airbender was not among the ones animated by this, or is it? Mm. Including an animation director for the series. Okay, so I think the studio was maybe founded after... Yeah. But, like, yeah. people who worked on Avatar The Last Bender would eventually, like, work. It was it, founded right? in yeah. 2010, and people who were, yeah, so. Yeah, okay, so it's, it's like, yeah. the same, which makes sense, because it definitely shares a style. This is post-apocalyptic. Yeah, and it's I would, actually. I, I, I would comfortably guess. Something yeah. I didn't realize when I first, uh, you know, kind of looked it up is that it's actually based on a webcomic. Mm-hmm. I just found that out too. Kipo in the Age of the Wonder Beast is, like Colin said, is post-apocalyptic. Uh, it follows our protagonist, who is Kipo. She is a 13-year-old girl. Uh, in this post-apocalyptic future, the humans tend to live in these sort of underground cities called bureaus. And the series kind of focuses on uh, Kipo is sort of accidentally... Burrows? Yeah, yeah, burrows. Burrows? Burrows, not bureaus. Burrows. The Federal Bureau That's a very different thing. Very different yeah, thing. Vault so Vault 101 breaks. Yeah. That's a fallout joke. <laughs> they uh so yeah, the humans are from Burroughs, sorry. Um and Kipo <laughs> is sort of accidentally uh gotten outside of her burrow and she's trying to find her way back to find her dad and it, it gets a bit, a bit more into that later um and in the post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic over sort of outside world there's a lot of these different sort of gangs and tribes of these mutated animals or as the show calls them mutes um 
So, for example, there's, like, the frogs in business suits, there's, like, techno-rave bees, there's lumberjack cats, there's jazzercising raccoons, <laughs> biker birds, lot, lots <laughs> I, of... Really, I, I really like all these silly yeah, concepts they came up with. I like them, too, because they're not just, like, puns of the animals, you know what I mean? Scooter Skunks was definitely alliterative. Yeah, some of them are alliterative, like the biter bird or bi- biker birds or the no, they were uh, humming bombers. Humming bombers, right? Oh, they were like, right? They were like, oh uh, yeah, I do remember the bikers. That nothing really ever came of them, but um, but yeah, it starts with her. I, I found the sequence where she came to the surface, which is the intro to the first episode, mm-hmm. Burrow Girl. It's just her being swept away by water and bursting out onto the surface, and then her way back into the water is blocked. And it's her just going like, oh my god, I'm on the surface. And it's really efficient at setting up her experience and the basic rules of the world, like, really, really quickly. Well, it's nice because, like, she kind of can play exposition into, like, what the world is. Because she pretty quickly meets up with this little girl in a uh, in a wolf pelt who she names wolf or calls wolf because she won't tell her real name um Mm -hmm. and she's like this sort of you know tough little girl who's been you know living out in the world so everything is like really harsh and it's kind of setting up the tone because like kipo has lived in her burrow the entire her entire life so she's never really been on the outside world so she's sort of like running around amazed by how beautiful everything is and wolf is like yo this world will eat you the fuck alive if you don't calm the fuck down so it's kind of it's it's a really efficient way of giving you like a lot of exposition about like you know how dangerous the outside world is and like you know what what we should be expecting as audience members while watching the show and it's 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 pretty it's pretty drip feed as far as um as far as introducing you to new world concepts yeah. to the point where, and I know, I know I'm in a bit of a Tolkien hole, but I swear this is a legitimate comparison. I see the book, the Hobbit. <laughs> I was getting Hobbit vibes from this the whole time because it's, it's, it's a to B it's get to a place and yeah. each chapter along yeah. the way is a new fantastical obstacle. The reader had no idea existed. So yeah. structurally I kept getting that vibe because one episode it's uh uh Oh, they're being chased by frogs. And then the next episode, it's the Timbercats and stuff like that. And it's always kind of just jumping to another thing. And there are always callbacks, but each thing stands relatively alone, like each encounter. It is a nice, delicate balance between having a serialized 10-episode story and having each episode be its own start-to-finish adventure. Yeah, and and it's kind of refreshing in that it's more straightforward than, like, uh, what's popular... With like what like Adventure Time popularized with like super drip feed where it's just like yeah. scraps every season or, or maybe just every couple of seasons. Which, you know, I actually I genuinely like that, but it's nice to just be able to just sit down, watch, and not have to like decode the show, you know? You're right. And it gets yeah. it gives you a complete story. And I think the thing that benefits from A, it being based on a webcomic, and B, it being released in Netflix where it's like more bingeable, is that the show kind of has an idea of what it is as soon as it starts. Whereas yeah. like other shows like Adventure Time, like a lot of things in the earlier seasons, like once you start getting into like the lore or whatever of it, start to make less sense because like the show it was still kind of coming into it its own, right? And it established those things over time. Or even like Steven Universe, right? Which is another show that 
I don't know, is very pretty and it's a great like kids cartoon is like, you know, a lot of the episodes are early on are just for goofs. And then it got, starts getting into story stuff later. And some of those goofs no longer make any sense. Whereas this one is like, and, and it even establishes then the story its stuff tone. is super spread out. And yeah, kind of yeah. Whereas this one is like, it establishes its tone and it takes breaks from, you know, its main objective, but it all is part of the same narrative. Yeah. Yeah. So it does kind and of in that a way, good balance. It, and it's like, even though this style is used in a lot of different shows, uh, because this is a fairly prolific animation studio, mm-hmm. um, I kept going back to Avatar The Last Airbender, not just because I think that that is a fantastic show and they're visually similar, but it... Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender was a serialized kids show in the mid-2000s, which yep. was wild. It was yeah. very wild. And this shows that that studio is still sort of engaging in those kinds of projects, and it very much flows in that way. Like, we've seen kids shows do it since before Adventure Time came out, since before Steven Universe came out. Um, and it's it's fun to know that that's at least still kind of an enduring style, despite the fact that we have these other like paradigm shifting shows yeah yeah so uh was there was there because i didn't see any advertising for this the first i saw the show is when you mentioned it to me on our last episode Mm -hmm. um do you know if there were any issues with the production or promotion of this or does it seem like netflix uh, is just kind of leaning i don't know i don't know i just i just saw Mm -hmm. like it advertised on netflix like the day it came out Mm -hmm. and i was like that looks pretty i'll check it out i was looking for things to watch so it it was kind of i don't know like i found out a lot about a lot of netflix uh series that way by just like you know getting bored and wanting something Mm -hmm. new to watch at least on wikipedia it doesn't talk yeah. about the development yeah well you uh, mentioned it's like when yeah, i when i first heard about it it's like uh it was on twitter like somebody was still uh specifically going man it's kind of annoying that like netflix like does not promote a lot of the good shows they have especially mm-hmm. ones that may have the black leads and like you know they put down kipo for the age of wonder beast as an example i'm like huh that's interesting but i didn't really i had i didn't see anything yeah. else about it until jeff was like Hey, this show's really good. You should check it out. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm compelled. You, we keep touching on the fact that it's pretty. You guys are both more visually artistic than I am. I, I can tell. I, when I look at the show and I think, wow, this is very, very pretty. Mostly, what I'm noticing are some bold but restrained, paradoxically, choices in the color palette. Yeah. Where there's a lot of variety in color, but it all sort of falls on the cool side of the spectrum. Yeah, it's very, um, it's very. And that the lighting is pretty. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the and the way that they handle lighting seems to really allow that fairly limited palette to feel bold. And I'm wondering, do you guys have other observations that I am missing? I, I want to know why I like, like how it looks. One of the one of the main things for me is actually like in this sort of um like the characterfulness of the way that they all move. You know, like each of their characters like has a f- sort of specific way of like moving and, you know, handling their sort of action-esque sequences, which I think is pretty distinctive and it, it it's something that's I think pretty true of the other uh series that the studio has done too, like Korra and and uh Last yeah. Airbender too, where it's just like they're you know like some shows 
when we you get into like fight stuff, so everyone just kind of becomes like a sort of generic fighting person. Whereas this one is like it kind of stays true to the way the characters are, and there's a lot mm. of like choreography, not just in like when things are done successfully, but also like when the characters screw up and like yeah causes mayhem. That I, there's just like a lot of sort of attention paid to like each moment in a sequence of movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they retain their character even in even in fights, like. Uh... Not that most of them fight that often, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I like I think of an example like later Dragon Ball Z versus like super early Dragon Ball, where like in Dragon Ball Z, you know, they have that like iconic Dragon Ball Z kind of fighting where they're like zipping around the air, doing like key blast and power blast, and sometimes like character can be lost in all that. Whereas like in Dragon Ball, because it was more of a martial arts thing, everyone kind of got a chance to like fight in a unique way which yeah and and they do that in this too is like especially with all the mutes they kind of play off of like you know their sort of animal styles and personalities and you know like the frogs are always jumping everywhere yeah they get a lot of mileage out of like the frog's tongue and yeah yeah them using it to grab (laughs) it around yeah yeah (laughs) they 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 literally spider-man the frogs around with their tongues yeah what's his name okay jamak is one of my favorite characters oh oh, but uh some uh, something that stuck out to me about the art is just the amount of detail in the backgrounds. Yeah. Just like there's a lot of character to not just the characters themselves, but just the setting setting of the world, you know? it's So there were some things stylistically that still bugged me. Now, I think it's well documented on this program that I don't enjoy the stylings of anime and this mm-hmm. style is very anime inspired. I love Avatar the Last Airbender, but I think I loved it in spite of those stylings, not because of them. That's a thing I don't like about Avatar and this it carries it forward to me. And it even comes down to to simple stuff where the way that you animate in anime is you typically have you have some detailed character designs and and, and item designs that have a lot more detail than most cartoons would have. But you animate fewer frames per second, so you don't have as many images, so the image isn't as smooth. The one thing I like about this studio style in particular is that it doesn't always fall into the anime trappings of the mouth is just two frames alternating between, like, open and close, which is typical of detailed anime animation. But still, like, the fact that there are characters moving at maybe 10, 15 frames a second, but you have things keyframed so that they're moving at the full 30 like, it's just, and it even happens in, in video games for technical reasons. Like in Halo 5, it's, it's a 60 frames per second game, but if you are fighting someone far away, it renders that item fewer times so that the game can keep up with everything. Yeah. And anytime there's that dissonance, it just grates on me so hard. All the camera movements are like whip pan and smooth, but the characters aren't. And that is just a uh, style thing I'm never going to get. Yeah, there. I mean, I don't have a ton to say about that because, like, I can see that present in the animation, but I think for for most people who notice that, it doesn't really read as like a mistake or anything. It's more like a it's deliberate. Not a mistake. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's yeah, like it's a yeah. thing I don't. It's I just don't like yeah. I don't know. Like I, it's like it kind of reminds me like they're talking about you know the um like the different framing. It kind of reminds me of Into the Spider Verse, where like where Miles Morales is literally at a slower frame yes. rate than like a lot of the more competent characters when, yes. and then he his his frame rate goes a lot smoother when he's at the end and he's sort of like coming into his own. And it's just like I don't know, it's just a, it's a neat tool. Yeah, yeah, and and the Spider-Verse does use it as a tool though because for there are usually two things happening at once where camera movement and and background movement 
uh, can be faster, but character movement is fewer frames per second to make it feel stop motion and like hand animated. Yeah, but yeah. when there's a fight, when there's a fight scene, they are moving at the same speed everywhere. They're using it as a tool. Where in shows like this, hold on, not necessarily though. True. In like in fight scenes, very often they will still move at that same kind of frame rates. You just don't notice it as often because they use. Smear frames, frames in between frames that like something to interpolate it. Uh, when when you hold still, it's like yeah, they're basically adding <laughs> fake lens or fake um motion, motion blur. blur, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. E- even so, it's like those those are tools that alter the way that things are rendered for the sake of 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 bridging a lot of styles. And I think I I think. It, there are a lot of conversations where we could, where people could fall into trappings comparing to Into the Spider Verse because it is a pretty new and unique style. Yeah. Um, but this is a tried and true style that I've been watching for a decade and a half, and it's the same. Yeah. And it doesn't vary in the show. Like it is a, it is just a consistent thing that I don't like. I mean, for me, I maybe it's because I'm an animation nerd, but I like mm-hmm. seeing uh, animators can do with those limitations because, yeah, you know, very often it's not even a stylistic choice, just a necessity of having to make a show on a deadline yeah. like and i think it also fewer kinda... frames means fewer drawings to make you know yeah Correct. and that's and that's why anime drawings are so detailed i will always think like in different areas spongebob will always look better than kipo in some ways because it is a more fluid animation i don't like, know about that <laughs> uh, Sponge- spongebob only has those fluid animations in verse very often they use many of the same techniques that anime does, you know? Yes, it does. I'm saying that that typical American cartoons have a higher number of frames of each item in each second. Yeah. And that is that is something that I enjoy more. Unless it, unless you're going to go full Lego movie and really lock everything into something lower or vary everything to balance it out. But I don't know. That's just a me thing that, 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 that kind of graded the whole time. But every time I paused it and looked at it, I'm like, that's gorgeous. This is a very beautiful show. I just wish it was faster. Yeah, I, that's fair. I mean, just like as a stylistic thing, I, mm-hmm. I, I recognize that something kind of centric to just your preferences. Because like, yeah. I, I personally, I feel like it fits just like with this sort of choppy choreography and just like the way it's animated too, with everything being so angular, it sort of makes sense for the like transition between frames to be a little bit less smooth. It sort of does kind of have that sort of um, like, cell animation or like stop motion like choppiness that i think a lot of people it like generates a lot of nostalgia for Mm. yeah yeah. to quote to quote john hodgman star of kipo in the age of the wonder beasts uh nostalgia is the most toxic impulse (laughs) (laughs) i was blown away when i heard john hodgman's voice today i was i love that man and everything he writes and does who does john Uh, you may you may know him from no, I'm know, a Mac I, and I'm a PC. No, I know John Hodgman from from we, uh, being on My Brother, My Brother and Me. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, they t- was on the same podcast network. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. talk about him a lot. He writes books. He's wonderful. Who's he playing? Uh, he plays um, one of the billions, one of the two wolves, billions. It's oh. funny because, yeah, he plays the one with the glasses. And uh, Newton Wolf, it's spelled, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and that. it's like, it's literally him opposite a very prolific rapper playing brothers and i'm like this is just the best contrast you could have that was some fun casting yeah, yeah. look into the cast a little bit yeah um, no we're but he's because i know we're kind of we're like that concept we're like how do you come up with that like just 
Because I know the main character, she's in she's in uh, the new uh, She-Ra series, too. Yeah, that's another thing that jumped out to me, like, uh, of the color palette. It's very similar to She-Ra in that mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's flat colors, but they're all, like, saturated. Yeah, it kind of yeah. reminds... I think the character in the show that reminds me of the most of She-Ra's design is the dad, is yeah. uh, Kipo's dad. Because, like, because... That's Sterling K. Brown. Everyone, it's it's sort of the thing like in the series where like everyone is kind of easy on the eyes, which is something that I find a little bit off-putting about She-Ra, where it's just like, you know, like every character has just like kind of like puppy doll, uh, puppy dog eyes where you just get like lost in it. It's just like, "Mm, yeah, I mean, but you can like pick and choose who gets that. And the dad is like the only one in this series since like most of the other characters are kids of which that really stands out to me. Like, yeah. I feel, you know, like, I feel like it makes sense for our main, my, for, like, you know, Wolf and Benson and Kipo, but then the dad, I'm just like, yeah, okay, you look a little bit softer than I would expect you to, but that's, yeah. uh, I, it's not as much of a problem when it's just the one character. Uh, <laughs> so guys... Yeah, go ahead. Something related to the dad, but, like, in the last episode, you've seen the last episode, or? Yes, I have. Yes, all right, all right. So he's like, I'll explain everything to you, Spoiler but first we gotta... Alert. But first, we gotta get everyone out, and it's like, God, damn it, man! You just signed <laughs> your own death warrant. He, he doesn't. Yeah, but, it's but, like it's like the characters in the story don't understand general story structure. Like, <laughs> you know, you think they know. There's a book called Red Shirts, which I recommend uh, to everybody. It's it's a Star Trek spoof <laughs> where the people who aren't the main characters are like, oh shit, these seven people never get killed, and everyone around them gets killed <laughs> all the time. I thought it was just going to be a parody book. It's wonderful. but yeah. It sort of reminds no, yeah, me of but the, it's uh, like... the last episode of The Mandalorian. There's, like, the little bit where the two stormtroopers are just, like, shooting the shit. Shooting at the can. <laughs> they're shooting at the <laughs> cans and good. missing, and then they're talking about how their general just, like, casually kills them all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I wonder surprise, what's surprise, he yeah. fucking Dad, gets- why won't you tell me? It's more narratively compelling if I wait. That actually leads me to something else I wanted to talk about, which is confusing character motivations. Uh, because I think, by and large, something this show really succeeds with is is the character relationships. Yeah. I, it's like, it's a bit of a trope salad. It's definitely more of a kid show than some of the previous shows we've mentioned. But I, I think in terms of how these characters relate to each other, generally, there are some pretty meaningful moments, some pretty emotional moments of, you know, conflict and reconciliation. But I I just kept running into these moments where I'm like, in the context of this world, I don't understand why these people are doing what they're doing. Like in episode two, Wolf is like, I'm gonna leave. And then literally a few seconds later, she's like, I wouldn't leave you alone. And I'm like, this is like Chewbacca dying in episode nine. Like, what? Come on. Just like commit to the thing. I think the idea is like she's begrudgingly kind of getting or getting to enjoy Kipo's company. And like, she's just like, I I will look for any excuse to hang out with you. But they success. They successfully explore that idea later in the season in more robust ways. And there are a lot of moments like that where. People say one thing and then another happens. It feels like it's like if I'm reverse engineering the writing, it feels like you want the conflict of I'm not helping you. But oh shit, we need the emotional re- resolution of I'm helping you. So we'll just do both. Well, and like that happens with the in Cactus Town with with the cats and the snakes who are fighting the whole time. And at the end, like 
it, it did not feel earned when the cats and snakes are like, I hate you, but okay. Like, well, it's not like we saw yeah. a growth in their relationship. They maintained it, and then they changed it. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing is pretty pervasive. And I mean, really I don't... It, does, it doesn't bother me with, like, the sort of background side characters, because I think that the world that they set up is also, like, all of the characters are kind of full of shit. You know, like, they're all... Like, all of the mutes have these, like, a bunch of, like, weird sort of customs and rivalries that, like, don't even make sense within themselves. And, like, we've kind of seen that with the cats, too. Like, they spend the entire first episode that we meet them, like, crying about their leader being gone. But then it turns out he's been gone, like, three days and he's just stuck in a tree or something. Like, it's (laughs) a lot of it is just sort of, like, building up to kind of anticlimactic jokes like that, which I think is fitting with it i think in the case generally of, in the case of wolf yeah. it's just like well i i see that really as fitting her character because like the whole thing is like she's really just like in denial about wanting to be a part of a family like she sees herself as this loner character and who someone who can't be uh, hurt again but like alone really wolf, she does will. want that god you know fucking damn it well hey actually no that's probably exactly what the writers were thinking <laughs> because they are full of subtlety the uh i i no I, jeff i think you're right i think that it is exemplified in a lot of places, but I, that's that's part of the problem for me, is that there are moments where the show succeeds so well, and it took me several episodes of, like, something's really bugging me, and I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it was and it was really the inconsistency with those kinds of things, because there are moments where the show uh, throws something ridiculous at you, but plays off it in ways that you would expect it to, or that feel natural, even if you don't expect it. But then there are these moments of just like, oh shit, we wrote ourselves into a corner, Vince Gilligan style. Huh. He leaves the watch on the phone, let's go to the next shot. And it's just like, uh, where it works sometimes, and then it breaks in others, and that inconsistency, every time it happens, pulls me out. And then when I get pulled out, I start over-criticizing, and it's just, it, it's a recursive problem when I'm watching something. Yeah, I, I it doesn't strike me as too much of a problem, probably because I just see it, I see the same problem, but a million times worse in other shows. Like, yeah. okay, oh, yeah. like, okay, KO is just rife with these moments, like, for example, a pretty big villain just having a redemption in five seconds after the climax yeah which is and if i can and if i can link this back to the hobbit again which is like kind of my main point of comparison i suppose um and not the movies because the movies are their own conversation narratively which i like the movies but the book in particular doesn't have the hobbit book doesn't have a lot of connective tissue and to that end i understand the movies because if you're trying to turn that story into a show or into a movie if it were a show, it would have to be like Kipo, where each chapter is a different episode. Yeah. It probably would have been better as a show. It might have been, yeah. <laughs> but, but, like, as a movie, they had to add all this extra stuff. And and in that way, that's where I think Kipo is a favorable comparison, because it finds ways to string those together. Where I think it does worse is... And it's it's unfair to compare anyone to Professor Tolkien, but, <laughs> like, the thing about The Hobbit is even though all these things felt so out of the blue, like the trolls and then the stone giants and then the da 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 even though it's all disparate, it, they all obey the rules of the world. Like, even if you don't see them in The Hobbit, there are those rules, and you can see them to some extent. And I, I don't think Kipo has those rules. And that's yeah, why I feel I like this is more of a kid show than something like Avatar, which was a lot more conceptually tight. Well, I don't know, actually. I think that Avatar actually has more of those sort of inconsistent character choices than than Kipo does, just in that 
again, like it did have a fairly good idea of what it was trying to do from the beginning, but it did start mm-hmm. off a lot more lighthearted and then sort of like grow into some of those like more uh, adult themes. Whereas yeah. again, like with this being released all at once on Netflix, like the first season, like it and just with like the changing culture of like what people are into watching, I think that it. It allows itself to be itself a little bit sooner than something like Avatar Mm -hmm. does. Because, like, you know, I go back and watch the first episode of Avatar. I'm like, man, he sure is not acting like someone who just realized that all of his family just, like, has been (laughs) dead. (laughs) Like, he's a happy-go-lucky kid. And it makes total sense because they're trying to establish his character in the first episode. And they don't want to establish him as, like, a downer, right? Yeah. But, like, you know, it's like that, that, even that is, like, something that, like, and a lot of shows yeah, right. kind of make less and sense in retrospect, whereas I feel like everything was pretty tightly wound in Keepout in just yeah. that, like, it feels like they wrote the whole season at one time and then just, like, well, yeah. split it up. You know what I mean? The, yeah. I, I And maybe if I went back to Avatar, because you're totally right, maybe if I, because I haven't watched Avatar in a long time, if I went back to it, maybe I wouldn't look on it as favorably. I just mm-hmm. remember that the rules of the world made sense. And to be honest, like, the rules of Kipo. And this is, I I think that this is the thing that makes or breaks this show for you. Like, tell me, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Yeah. The world in Kipo doesn't make sense, and it's not mm. supposed to make sense, because there's there's no convincing logic you, you can throw at me to explain why the cats are specifically lumberjacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the frogs <laughs> are specifically very anal-retentive, dry-cleaning-loving businessmen. <laughs> well, like, you, you, you can't explain that to me in a way that I'll buy. And I think if you can get it over that hump, this show is bursting with personality and creativity. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it, like it, it's kind of following the same sort of thing as like Adventure Time, where there is a lot of zany stuff, but it does stay consistent to the rules of that zany stuff. Like if like, like if you get past like oh the premise is all of these animals with these different sort of like human attributes of gangs, right? Like it does stay pretty consistent to that, you know? Like it yeah, sets up that... its own rules and stays within them. And I think that it, it's just like deciding that the rule set is a little bit yeah. odd. I, I think that the rules are superficial compared to something like Adventure Time. The, also like the show kind of implies that there's there's gonna be more and an actual explanation of like shit. Yeah. That... Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. And I I guess I I probably would have liked more of that a little earlier on because the, the the way that you interestingly build a world is you feed people little bits and then they see the pattern and they're like, oh, yeah. how does this all connect? And that's where like the Adventure Time drip feed works, even though Adventure Time is so fucking abstract and crazy, you know it's <laughs> never going to make sense. And it never um, really addresses those it, things. It gets just no, drips, it your feed, drips feeds you a little bit more. <laughs> uh, yeah, enough to create a puzzle for you to solve. And this show doesn't do that again like the hobbit you're not solving a puzzle it's like okay here's the next thing and you're like oh cool here's the next thing yeah and i mean at it's the not... end of this like i would like an explanation but at this point i'm not curious about it because i don't feel like it's gonna be anything i can lead up to i feel like it's just gonna be here's the next timber cat i don't know if i need like an explanation of like how yeah. we got from a to b because like even in shows even though the other post-apocalyptic shows even in other and post-apocalyptic it, yeah. shows like adventure time like you know, we're like, oh, cool, it's post-apocalyptic, and we assume that A is where we are, where it's like, that's 
Probably not. Mm-hmm. Like, it's certainly not the case in Adventure Time, but it's, like, also probably not the case in Kipo, where it's just like, well, maybe the way mm-hmm. that just, like, the way the world logics and functions, it makes more sense for these animals to be in. It's not necessarily like, oh, normal human society today evolves into all these wacky animals with these different yeah. themes, right? It's like, you know, it could, like, if we don't know what the A is, I don't really care knowing like what the yeah. world used to be like I, yeah yeah that's the thing i don't need an explanation because i don't really care about the nitty-gritty of this world i just yeah. like the characters i love the goofy yeah. scenarios they end up in yeah i i think to that point i think you guys are kind of exactly proving my point which is if you can get over that hump then the show is I, for you i don't and, even and see you it guys, as a, you guys are over that hump i don't even see it as a thing to get over though i feel like that's, that's just like over it. <laughs> no 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 i don't think because like i don't see it as a problem i see it as just like a choice that makes sense and like i can see how it would be a problem for some from other people but like i don't see it as like oh i can deal with that i see it as a thing of just like i'm glad that they made the choice that yeah. way you know what i mean well, yeah. to, to somebody else like me it can be a hump so for me it is something to yeah, overcome yeah. That you didn't even have to try. To me, I would have to put in some effort for that not to bug me, but it, it does, and it, it detracts from the show. And I, and I I knew the conversation was gonna go that way, and it's why I'm like, there's so much joy in this fucking happy, beautiful little <laughs> cartoon that I'm missing out on because I'm a big fucking grumpus. And I know that, and I know that you two are are gonna have all these all these happy little things that I missed. Yeah, and I think that's, like, kind of the opposite side of it, right? It's, like, for mm-hmm. everything that you have a problem with that we just, like, don't even consider because we don't see it as a problem, there's also lots mm-hmm. of stuff that, like, immensely makes the series more enjoyable for us that, like, wouldn't even necessarily occur to you just because, like, the way yeah. that Chowder and I are more into, like, animation styles and, like, the choices that are made and, like, the sort of technical aspects of yeah. it. It's like, man, that's just not your thing. And, that's and, fine. and also, yeah. like, just... I feel like animation in general, very often in animation, they do tend to go for that sort of, eh, don't worry about the nitty gritty details. We're here for the uh, concept kind of thing, you know? Right. And honestly, I I prefer worlds like that because like, I, I really do enjoy series where they start to explain exactly how everything happens. But the issue I have with those is like when a series decides later how everything makes sense. And then when they explain it, it does not make any sense at all. Yeah, I think a good example for me is Steven Universe, right? Starts out not really interested in the world building, but then it later does get interested in the world building. Right. But then like in doing that, there's some glaring holes in just like, hey, there's a hole in Russia uh, what are the well, people? What are the people doing? I, 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 I have, I have a question. Since I haven't watched Steven Universe, and I know yeah. you guys are big into it, with Steven Universe, knowing that they didn't start with the world in the forefront of you know the story, when that started to become a thing, and Chatter, you say it's distracting or or noticeably problematic. Did that? make the show feel better or worse or was it just kind of a thing that you were like eh, it's just not a thing i like about it uh, uh i mean uh, i don't I mean, like the transition i think both a and b are really good shows it's just like the, the line in between <laughs> okay. them doesn't quite make a ton mm. of sense it's more just yeah. like there's a bunch of like kind of monster of the week subplots in the first season that are mostly played off for jokes that when you start to consider things once you have the explanations that you're given later they no longer mm. make any sense right uh, it's like yeah and i f- sort of feel like you know it 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 fell into that trap where it fell into that trap where it explained the world so well that like 
you could see all the cracks in that. Whereas if mm-hmm. you don't explain it or you sort of halfway explain it, then it's sort of like it leaves enough up to the imagination where you're just like, well, I don't really see how that happened or this works into it. But there's enough of a gap there that like I re- I recognize that there's a lot that I don't know. Whereas like when they start to really explain the whole thing with like ho- like the, you know, the alien home world or whatever, then like a lot of the stuff you see in season one when that we didn't have that explanation just doesn't like really fit yeah. within that structure anymore you know so it's like Chatter, i, I, I generally we... prefer a sort of halfway approach where they explain enough of it that you're like oh i can see the connective tissue but don't explain enough of it whereas like you can still you know kind of fill in gaps where yeah. need be yeah for me it's just like it's thing that i don't quite like but honestly it's not like a it's not like necessarily a flaw in the show just yeah something i i feel uh I don't. Uh, I'm not too uh, happy about, or not. I'm trying to find. It's, like, it's just kind of an unfortunate consequence of the way the show had to be made. But I'd still prefer it do that. Yeah, like uh, all creative decisions, it's just you gain some stuff and lose some stuff. And yeah. I yeah. guess I focus more on what was lost and what was gained. Some sometimes a little bit, not yeah. not a whole lot. Again, flashing back to our to our last episode's conversation where I brought up Sherlock briefly. And how you guys were like, oh, man, once I got to season four, I hated it. And I'm like, I didn't mind season four. I want to see if this is an apt analogy to how we're talking about Steven Universe. Like, you guys tell me if I'm way off base here. But, like, I think what breaks season four for a lot of people is not just the fact that the whole thing is heightened, but that the third episode in particular with Eurus is kind of unbelievable in the context of the rest of the show. Yes. So, okay. Yes, exactly. Because, like... If that season existed on its own, like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just biased. I don't think I'd love yeah. it, but I wouldn't hate it as much as I do having it comparing it to the way the things functioned in the... Yeah, and, and I agree. I, I think that that episode, there's a lot of stuff I like in the episode, but as an episode, it's one of my least favorite of Sherlock. But, it, but like, I'm able to, in the way that you're able yeah. with Steven Universe to kind of move past that thing, I was so into the show that I was like, that's an episode that wasn't great. I still like the rest of the show. And it's like, I, I, I feel like with Kipo, I didn't get to the I like it before I started getting hit with all these little... And that's that's my problem. I don't know. I, I think, I mean, in the case of Steven Universe, it's like, oh, when I see the way it changed from A to B, like, a lot of the sort of problems with the connective tissue don't matter because I do really like the way the show evolved. Yeah. Keep in mind with Steven Universe, yeah. they're very much nitpicks. They don't really yeah. ruin anything for me. Heck, I wouldn't even think to say about really talk about it unless we're specifically talking about uh, stuff related like we are now. With Sherlock, it's just the central point is so reliant on these really dumb creative decisions. Like, Moriarty kills himself in the second season for shits and giggles and is still controlling things after his death. (laughs) <laughs> which is fucking stupid. He uh, Sherlock's got Sherlock's got up. I was just laughing. What? Continue. You're a funny guy. Okay, okay. Uh, and Sherlock's got a sister that we don't know about, and she's magically as smart as Sherlock for no reason, despite being locked in. But she room. wasn't. There was no it's just flash. Like, uh, so it implies she can like program people. It's the episode's a little crazy. Which is the dumbest shit because that only works in yes. in 
like television, right? Because you can like you could maybe briefly think that there's glass in a place and then walk through it, but you'd fucking notice if there's not glare on a Sherlock Holmes who can read the inscription on like a fucking watch from ten feet away can't tell that he's not standing in front of glass. Like right in front of him. He can't feel the breath of the person. Yeah. yeah. It's like the yeah. only reason the only reason we couldn't yeah. tell is because we assumed that they were just using yes. like film things so that we could see the character more clearly and not have a bunch of lens flares we never once assumed that they also couldn't do that like that's so stupid and and and, and, but like those kinds of things are what i were feeling in in kipo more or less maybe not to the same extent where i'm like where i'm like i get the logic of this world and i feel like you just went with what felt good in the writer's room like that's that it's the same feeling to me yeah yeah but but like for me, it's yeah. it's a matter of established tone. Kipo established a yes. sort of whimsical tone yeah. of of a fun fair. adventure of a fun adventure story uh, with like a sort of with sort of childlike logic, and that is what allows Kipo to get away with these. Which is what allows Kipo to get away with inconsistencies. Where Sherlock is a hard bitten yeah. thriller with hard rules and and like very adult minded characters. Who yeah. have yeah. very logical world, I, I get, uh, yeah, world I, views and thought yeah. processes. And I, and I so. should have, yeah, Until that, they that's don't. the kind of yeah. thing that bugs me. <laughs> and maybe I should have taken it a little easier when 10 seconds in, it shows bees that light up and make EDM sounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. But, but that, but that's the thing. I, I, I think, I think the bees sort of exemplify the show for me. Like they are fun and they're pretty and they're weird and they make you curious. Like they are, that's such a good, really cool idea. But, like, it turns out there's no reasoning or logic or world structure to necessarily support it. They're just there yeah. because they're fun. And, like, that's... And, and to me, that's that's the show. And I get that. I, get I mean, it. I, I don't totally know. I feel like... They're there because... Yeah, yeah. They're there because... Yeah, they're there because, like, a different yes. Yes. type of thinking. Where it's not sort of cause and effect, but rather association. Like, hey, yeah. beehives look kind of like disco balls. The buzzing of bees can kind of sound like yeah. EDM music. What if we put those two together and like, and the cat lumberjacks too, like, Hey, cats like to scratch at things. Yeah. Lumberjacks tend to like scratch at uh, wood. So let's put <laughs> That's that together. What you call uh, it. So- <laughs> the lumberjacks yeah. are just scratching at the wood with their axes. Co- yeah. But no, no, I totally, I, I get what you're saying. And it's like, I don't, it, it, it it, it's kind of refreshing, I think, in shows, and this is actually a quality of it that I appreciate when it does take a, like, it, it's like a superficial, like Chatter said, associative. Yeah. Our Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It follows an associative logic and it sticks to that. And I think that, like, it's a stylistic quality that, like, you know, if you're not focusing so much on how things, like, make sense, then it, like, as long as the characters within themselves, within this world that doesn't make sense, as long as yeah. that all makes sense, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, you know what that... I mean? That's like, because, <laughs> like, there are things that, there are things right off the bat that the show basically tells you, like, this is something yeah. that is not going to make sense, I think and that's that fair. was a choice, and that's how it is, right? And it's like, uh, and I think, like, once, if you can accept that, the hump. and it's like, and I, and by, maybe this is kind of like what you were saying earlier, like getting over a hump. It's not just like accepting it, but it's like, yeah. if that is something that you can appreciate. Yeah, I, I guess the difference is, uh, as much as I appreciate you, you know what I mean? I don't know if I always enjoy it. Like, I'm so glad those fucking bees exist. That's one of my favorite things I've seen on TV. I love those bees. <laughs> Every time they showed up, I smiled. 
but it didn't uh, that so that did better. not translate to the rest of the show for me but i i totally get what you're saying i yeah that you guys helped me articulate a lot of a lot of things because this show had me scratching my head all right thank you both for a very i guess surprisingly combative discussion. I didn't feel combative at all. That felt like... I, a, I don't think it was that... That felt yeah, like a real conversation. Compa- maybe combative isn't the right word, but, uh... I don't What's know what the, the right nice word is. nice word for killing each other? Yeah, I don't know. What is that, huh? Good question. <laughs> no, it, no yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's combative. I like, felt like... Not combative as more as, uh... It was, it like, we had, like, Surprisingly disagreeing. Yeah, we had different... Surprisingly yeah, debateful. That we just, like... Debate. We have different viewpoints, but we just like yeah, discussing those different viewpoints. We have quite debatable, my good sir. Mister Limit, now he's yeah, quite yeah. a debatable fellow. There, are no hate on it at all. <laughs> it's just making an observation. Anyway, now we're going to be moving on to the ratings, where each of us are going to rate the topic on a scale from one to ten. Oh my God, there's so many fun things we could pick. Oh my God. Like, I was thinking the bees, but I don't. I'm, I'm also really upset that not a single one of us said fucking one yun owns you all in the entire episode because <laughs> that's my favorite joke in the I whole don't show want to rate can, can we can we make it the weird plaid animation where the plaid is laterally fixed so when the cats are moving the pattern doesn't move like with in them. chowder oh yeah the, the chowder, the, chowder also does that too yeah the broken plaid that's fun uh well we'll just do the bees the edm bees one to ten edm bees uh yeah, Colin, you wanna yeah. wanna hit us with that hot, um, hot take? I was really glad to have this conversation because from episode episode one had me, and this was a weird experience where like I watched episode one and I'm like, okay, I'm interested. You, you like let's see where this goes. And with each successive episode, I think I enjoyed it like less and less for reasons that we've just talked about and, and and I knew it took me a while to figure out what it was and I think I've landed on again what we talked about but I was really looking forward to having this conversation because I guess I wanted some validation that the things I was seeing were actually there and it's not just me being grumpy because when I start to get grumpy in a TV show, and I'm sure everyone experiences this to some degree, like, once you're a little annoyed at a TV show, all the stupid things come to mind. Like, I was criticizing stuff that I shouldn't criticize. Like, that's a dumb style choice. Yeah, like, I no, that's, I still... that's, that's an opinion. It's not, that's not a problem. Yeah, no, I, I feel you on that. And so so I, I had to try to... Man, I still that. I still really need to talk to you about the, the most recent season of Agents I, of yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. That's a long time overdue. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna catch up. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D is a good example. I will pick a part of that show because it just annoys me and I yep. don't like it and I so find every dumb We can talk about that so another I, time. I, I, I think sorry. This, <laughs> I think the show can be... I actually wrote this down because when I heard this, it was in episode 9. Uh, it's Wolf talking to Kipo and they're about to go do something and Wolf says, this is stupid. And Kipo says, yeah, that's what makes it fun. <laughs> I think that, that sums up the show for me. It is fun, but I and I may have just been disappointed because that first from that first episode, I was so interested in where things were gonna go, and to me, they just kind of stayed on the same level. Maybe I was expecting too much, but I kind of felt let down after that first episode. And it is beautiful and fun, and I think for so many people, this is gonna be a great, great show to watch. But even though it's all ages, to me, this felt way more like a kids show 
than the stuff that like I've seen from the studio before. Um, so I'm probably gonna give this six out of ten if I'm being generous. Uh, I was thinking five, but I, I really appreciate the perspective that you guys have lent me from this conversation. Six out of ten uh, EDMBs. I don't think that that is the objective rating. I think that's my experience. It was all right, but I, I definitely had some problems with it. And I think a lot of people will love it. Yeah, Chatter? me, I would give it nine out of ten EDMBs. A lot of stinging. I got to start running pretty soon. <laughs> but no, like, this, this is a very this is a very fun it's setting, really a very well-realized setting, I, <clears throat> I feel. I, I know, like, in this podcast, I might feel like I've been nitpicking, but no, I really like it. The characters are really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I like how they play off each other. Kipo's adorable. Wolf is pretty fucking badass. Uh, and... Yeah, no, it's a lot of personality, a lot of charm. Mm-hmm. Like, you can even see in the backgrounds where there's just a lot of clutter that just characterizes the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the mutes are all just goofy and really fun to watch, watch in action. Mm-hmm. No, it's just really good, really pretty looking. Just thumbs up, two thumbs up, 9 out of 10 BNB. <laughs> Like how you had to, you had to realize for a sec there that no, no one other than the two of us could see the big thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, I I think that's kind of where I land too. I think I would also give it probably a an eight or nine out of ten. I think it was refreshing to me in that like a lot of animated shows that I get into nowadays, I feel like I sort of have to like wade through a little bit of crap before the show gets into mm-hmm. its own whereas I yeah. felt pretty strongly that yeah. I liked what this show was giving me pretty immediately mm-hmm. and it stayed consistent with that so uh, yeah I think that I would also land in that range is uh, probably 9 out of 10 I would say because it's I mean you know if nothing else it's just gorgeous so I was like I was watching it I was like oh man this is really pretty I hope it isn't bad and then I really liked it so it was, <laughs> it was very very nice and isn't that how we yet. feel about everyone and everything this is really pretty I just hope it isn't bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's I guess I think there's a lot of things that I don't think are very pretty <laughs> <laughs> and they're good or bad anyway uh but yeah that's i think that's gonna be a, a good way good place to end it uh that's just gonna wrap it up wrap it up for us today uh thank you for listening to the common geeking program again uh i've been your host jeff levitt and uh you can find me on instagram i've got a, a instagram where i post some of my visual art stuff it's um things i wish existed and there's a dot between each word uh, again, I've been joined by Colin and Chowder. Do either of you guys want to sort of espouse your own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Links and links and things. All right, uh, Colin first. Go Colin for first. Start. Um, oh yeah, because I went order. first earlier. Um, yeah, my name's Colin. Yeah. You can find me making dinner in my kitchen, but also on Twitter. Uh, can you? you can, but I hope you don't. What's your address? Uh, the <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sana Colin K. Uh, we I do a couple other shows uh, as a part of the Common Geeking program called Dice Populi and How You Doing. Uh, you can find those at commongeekingprogram.com. I think they're fun, but that's me, and I'm making dinner. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm Time Chori or Chatter, whichever you prefer. Uh, I'm hearing EDM music ominously in the background right now, so I think I better run. But uh, I have a Twitter account, uh, at Time Chori. You can see how that is spelled in the description. Uh, I do art stuff there. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, hell, fuck! Ah!
Ah, It'd be fun if this is where the credits music oh. came in, so it was kind of like there were EDMBs <laughs> swarming around him. Just a little bit. Oh my goodness. Alright, uh, well thank you guys for that. Uh, our next episode is going to air on the 20th of March. That's the third Friday in March, so stay tuned for that. Next episode of the main one, we also have on the first Friday of the month another common briefing Woo. program. Um, so maybe they'll have some synergy like these ones did. Who knows? But probably not. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> this is a fun us. experiment, but uh, I think we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for listening and subscribing and sharing and everything that you do. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next month. Bye. Ciao. Adios. One, one, you all. This episode of the Common Geeking Program was hosted by Jeff Levitt, joined by Colin Ketchin and Taimul Chaudhary. This episode is sponsored by Being Sick. Oh my god, was that an awful weekend? The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt, and features original music by Colin Ketchin. This episode was edited by me, Taimul Chaudhary. We'd love for you to stay engaged with us on social media, at Geeking Program or by using hashtag CGP. If you want to know more about us and all of our other projects, head to commongeekingprogram.com. Stay in touch, stay tuned, and as always, thank you for listening to this podcast. Ciao! I'll get my chicken tendies. Let's go.